You're now listening to The Electrical Current, a podcast series brought to you by the independent electrical contractors. Welcome to the second season of the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. I'm your host for the show, IEC National CEO, Spencer Vilwalk. During this podcast series, we'll talk with folks throughout America that help to make the electrical and systems contracting industry truly great. Today, our featured guest is David Henry. Dave is the general manager at Namaste Solar in the greater Denver area. Namaste is a 15-year-old employee-owned solar energy contracting business and a certified B Corporation. Dave has been active in his local chapter, IEC Rocky Mountain, including serving on the board of directors at IECRM. Dave is a great guy, a great friend, and an impactful leader in the industry. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. And Dave, I'd like to officially welcome you to the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. Well, thank you, Spencer. I'm happy to be here. And thanks for all the kind words. Awesome. Well, the, it, we're wrapped up then. I said everything that there needs to be said, apparently. So, <laughs> <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Cut, and that's a wrap. No. Um, no, thanks, thanks again for taking time to, to chat and, and share a little bit of your story and some insights on things. And, and I think you guys have a real unique, um, unique business model, unique uh, look at the electrical industry, being in the, in, really in the, in the solar world. Um, but I want to first start on the personal level, Dave. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and kind of lead us towards, closer towards where you're at now at, uh, as the general manager of Namaste. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I was born in Ohio, um, mm-hmm. just outside of Toledo, Ohio, in 1973. And my dad's job moved us around a lot. So I've lived in Connecticut and California, mm-hmm. Ohio, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was growing up, I, I think, especially my teenage years in high school, I kind of developed uh, a, a passion for things that were environmentally and and uh, socially aware, although I couldn't have put those words to it at that time. It mm-hmm. was just something that I gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came time to go to college, I was interested in, in trying to develop a career around those types of interests, mm-hmm. and I found CU Boulder. Okay. And so I started an environmental studies program um, and uh, got a dual degree um, inadvertently. I just took enough geography classes that I got two degrees uh, for the price of one, which was fantastic news. You can find yourself where you are on a map then. With the, <laughs> yes. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, so I, I know a little bit about um, geography. Um, but I kind of stumbled into the solar industry. I didn't have um, an intention. And I had a friend who started working. This was 1997. Uh-huh. Um was working at a small uh, renewable energy retailer. It was a mail order catalog company by the name of Jade Mountain. And that was the predecessor to Real Goods. Oh, okay. And this was before there was any grid-connected PV industry. It was all small, remote systems for cabins that needed some DC power. Off-grid applications and whatnot. All off-grid. You know, there was no such thing as a grid-connected inverter at that point. Right. And that was my entry point. Um, he said, hey, we're hiring. And I was graduating school. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my entry point into the renewable energy industry. Hmm. Interesting. So I developed a, a love and a passion for, for all things solar. Mm-hmm. Um, it it scraps the environmental itch. Um, and it, eventually, you know, fast forward to my time at Namaste Solar, which I was fortunate to join in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, it also combined uh, my passion for for doing good social work, mm-hmm. um, Namaste Solar in, in particular. So, um, you know, Namaste Solar is a B corporation and mm-hmm. 
our philosophy is essentially, you know, a business is a force for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and being an employee-owned cooperative, there's so many things about those aspects of our business that just um, dovetailed really nicely with, you know, who I was personally and what was important to me right. on, on an individual level. Right, right. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. So, well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, you know Namaste and 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 um, you know just a little bit about yeah the, the culture and and you you mentioned yeah, yeah being um, you know the the B Corp piece employee ownership model. Let's just let's yeah dive into that. And, um, share a little bit about the what makes Namaste unique and and purposeful in in the intent of the business model. You know, there's there's a number of things that I think contribute to make Namaste Solar unique, and and probably more so just inside of the solar industry or the electrical trades. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, first of all, we're we were established in 2005 as an employee-owned company. In 2011, we converted to uh, what's known as an employee-owned cooperative. Okay. So essentially, what that means is um, all owners of the company have one share and one vote in shareholder matters. So that includes somebody that could be out in the field working has the same amount of voting power as the CEO. Wow. Um, and so that's one of the things that I think adds to our uniqueness. Um, also, being a, a B corporation, um, you know, we're actually uh, legally. Uh, um, set up as a public benefit corporation. So we went through a a legal change to become a a benefit corporation. Mm -hmm. And that means we're committed to the triple bottom line. Mm -hmm. So we realize we need to make a profit, but we also want to do things that benefit the environment and social responsibility Mm -hmm. and try to have business be that force for good that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) And then our company culture is, is interesting in the sense that you know, we, we try to minimize the amount of hierarchy we have, mm-hmm. um, and we have full transparency. You know, co-owners have access to all the company financials. Mm-hmm. We talk about business decisions as a group. Um, it's it's a very rewarding, but oftentimes very challenging way to do business, especially sure. as we've scaled to, you know, 200 people from where we started with the first three original founders. Right, right, right. Much easier to make uh, decisions when there's uh, three people sitting around a table, but you know, if you're a company of 200, Trying to make uh, decisions uh, with with all employee, yeah, with an employee ownership model and taking all yes. those factors into consideration, and then yeah, you mentioned that that with that piece, then everyone has a voice and a vote. Um, so yes, that's yeah, uh, yeah that's that's got to be a daunting task at times when there's something that's controversial or maybe maybe even uh, things that are, that aren't so controversial. Yeah. There's just a lot of opinions and and points of view that are, need to be taken into consideration. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, and you know, it's it's it, at two hundred people now. We're we're wrestling with how to scale our company culture. In addition yeah. to not just the operational scaling, right? But how do we keep that sense of the culture? And, and what are the things that we can kind of let go of that might not be working at two hundred hmm. people that worked at forty or fifty people? Right. Right. And that's that's a big part of my focus here at Namaste Solar right now. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let, that's that's a fascinating. Uh, conversation and topic because I think you know especially during you know current economic conditions and there's been a lot of growth and in the contracting industry and and um, you know how to maintain culture um, and, and culture is very important you know culture is is, is critical our business culture and um, so can you share a little bit about uh, some of the the issues you've been grappling with or how you've seen changes uh, and and conversations around those changes of culture within uh, the company as you've grown? Yeah, I mean, some of the the more complicated 
yeah. um, and complex issues are, are things around, you know, communications. Um, that's hmm. kind of the heart and soul of how do you make sure that all the co-owners and people that are candidates to become co-owner have all the information that right. a they need. There's there's differences between information that people need and information that people want, and sometimes yes. they're one and the same. Yes, and so it's hard to anticipate what information everybody needs in order to do their job as well as what is the information everybody wants Mm -hmm. and how do you get that to them in a timely fashion Mm -hmm. and make sure that all the appropriate stakeholders voices are heard. So we can no longer make decisions that everybody gets to vote on. There are certain decisions that have to be made in a more timely fashion Mm -hmm. and you don't have time to bring everybody along on the journey to give them up to a point where they understand the whole situation with all the relevant data. Right. So Part of part of our challenge has been trying to figure out where and when we need to get all the voices heard and, and what can we let go of in terms of decisions that get made strictly by the CEO mm-hmm. or the leadership team and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that's been a, a one of our tensions um, re- related to our growth yep. Um, yep. and just communications in general, understanding, you know, as a co-owner, you might be on one team, but you're really interested in what's happening on another team. Mm-hmm. And so trying to figure out the mechanisms for getting people updates and, mm-hmm. and information is from team to team has also been a challenge Interesting, for us. Interesting. So, yeah, it, it sounds a lot uh, – you, you, you've been you know, grappling with you know, some of the issues of, of – um, you know, senior leadership or CEO empowerment in a way within that structure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. you know, it, it, you're right because, I mean, it's, as businesses grow and there's there's different challenges that are there and, and people in, in specified areas within the business to be able to help it prosper and grow. Um, but then yeah. if your company is embracing transparency and really being um, openly inclusive and helping to then give that voice um, – it's hard to to bring everybody along on the journey to you know, empower them with the knowledge to be able to make decisions um, absolutely in a yeah. timely manner um, with all the information that they need. So interesting. And we have interesting. we have a core value known as distributed leadership. And one of the other <laughs> things is um, distributed leadership is is something where we think everybody in the organization has. Um, a leadership responsibility on hmm. one level or another. Okay. Um, but as we've grown, you know, what does it actually mean to be a leader in the organization? And what does it mean to be a people manager? These are, these scopes and responsibilities are evolving at 200 people differently than it was at 40 people. And those are the types of things that we're trying to get on the same page about and continue to, to, to do in the healthiest way possible. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the, well I, I mean, leadership yeah, you, you you've kind of struck a chord with me because I think leadership is is defined in so many different ways, and then you guys have a very unique look at it. Then too, if you're talking about a distributed leadership model, and having that again that individual buy-in and that individual responsibility, and and so there's got to be multiple definitions that you're wrestling with internally at Namaste Solar about that term. You know what what yeah. what is leadership, and and it's a variety of different things. Um, yep. Absolutely. At the core of it, you know, if if I ask uh, Dave Henry, what what does what how do you define leadership? I'm, I'm curious how you react to that question. You know, uh, my own personal definition or the style that I would mm-hmm. lend to is yeah. somebody that is able to frame um, a picture. You know, develop a strategy for an organization, 
um, be able to uh, integrate all the different voices and perspectives mm -hmm. and make sure that everybody's getting heard, but yet still have an element of decisiveness that can help support people feeling heard, even if they're not getting their way necessarily yeah. in a certain initiative right. and being able to push things forward and bring cohesion and kind of foster a sense of unity in the organization yeah. as we continue to, to go forward. That would be kind of a very hmm. high level conceptual yeah. way I would look at it. Interesting. Interesting. I love it. I love it. Um, I, I'm curious too about like onboarding um, new employees uh, and, mm -hmm. and, because you know, the approach that you're you're talking about here is is um, uh, square peg in a round hole world in a lot of ways, um, very different than what somebody coming to the table, you know, an, a solar installer or an electrician that's joining your staff, or or even you know somebody in the on the sales side or the business side of things that they've been. I would I would guess ninety nine percent of the time they've been involved in in um, cultures and business models in which are are much different, um, mm -hmm. much more conventional yeah, in a lot of ways. Do you do you take a, a, a special approach to onboarding, or how do you do employee training to be able to ensure that you know that culture continues, or or um, you, know, you you help to share those core values that you were talking about? Well, I think it starts with the hiring process, right? Mm, and mm -hmm. I think trying to find people that aren't necessarily, you know, somebody that's going to contribute and help elevate our culture. It doesn't mean mm. that they have to plug in the status quo of what our culture currently is. You gotcha. know, the culture is an ever-evolving and living thing. Yes, yes, um, And so it's, it's, it's a reflection on the people that are participating in it. And so we start with the, the hiring process, but once we select people and and we have a pretty good batting average of, of finding people that are mission aligned mm -hmm. um are are interested in the electrical trades as a career mm -hmm. those types of things we're looking for those types of combinations mm -hmm. and i think the onboarding is is tricky you know all of this stuff takes a lot of time and it's an investment in time and energy mm -hmm. and you have to really be able to crowd out the urgency of your day-to-day -day and take intentional time and we have a pretty dedicated program and i won't tell you that it's not always uh, ripe for improvement we're mm -hmm. always working on it sure but we do a whole candidate curriculum session um for hmm. people that are looking to become a co-owner um, there's a certain amount of curriculum that happens for the through the onboarding process with the history of namaste solar mm -hmm. um kind of uh, discussion about where we're where, where we've come from where we're heading um, how things have evolved over time, kind of what the expectations are, reviews of our core values and our mission statements. Um, it's it's a it's a lot for people to absorb. Yeah. But once you elect, you know, you, you, you get hired in the first month, you can choose to become a candidate, which puts you on a path towards co-ownership. Right. Then you participate in the candidacy curriculum sessions. And that's a really kind of in-depth you know, what we've often referred to is, you know, we get the Namaste Solar MBA. It's it's kind right, of a look right. at how Namaste Solar runs its business, not just from the financial and operational perspective, but culturally. Yeah. And all the ins and outs of, of the details that is is made us who we are today. Well, that's fascinating. That's really fascinating. Um, so, so an individual can elect to go down that pathway or not. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do do you find, you know, as the business has been growing, um, you know, you've been you've been with Namaste and, and a leader there for a long time. Um, were was was that was it always a co-ownership model in which then it wasn't able to be elected, you know, when somebody was coming in or is that something that's been part of the evolution or I'm just kind of curious, you know, if if um, if the, if you're seeing the same amounts of, of folks that are wanting to take that on as, as uh, co-ownership um, now versus the past and 
that piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, co-ownership was always the original intention. It, mm-hmm. it looked different in the early days where yeah. you could purchase shares in the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and we recognized that that was resulting in some inequity in terms of voting power across gotcha. owners. Yeah. If you could afford to, afford to buy more shares, you also were able to afford more power. Larger stakeholders. So that's why we right, sh- right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's why we shifted towards the employee-owned cooperative where there's one share, one vote model mm-hmm. to level that playing field. Mm-hmm. But I would say that there's, you know, Historically, there's kind of always been um, a stakeholder that could elect to be an employee. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite as intentional in the early days, and it wasn't until we shifted into the cooperative model that we kind of developed this notion of becoming a candidate, give the candidates a year to get to know the company, mm-hmm. have the company get to have a year to learn about the candidate and go through the, the co-ownership um, voting process. Interesting. But early on, it was you could pretty much – you know, become a co-owner on day one, mm-hmm. but that was only for the first couple of years. And then we've shifted that. And I would say that our, um, the folks of the 200 people, you know, there's a, there's a decent percentage, um, that have elected to, to be, um, remain at the employee as an employee. And for yeah. a number of reasons may have decided not to become a co-owner. It's just not sure. for them at this time or Understood. they don't, want that you know they're happy with the job as they have it i mean there's sure. there's a number of different reasons gotcha gotcha understood understood is is there like open enrollment if you will you know what i mean like that if somebody elects you know within that first month it, maybe it wasn't the right time but then there's another time down the line yes. is it okay okay yep, yep anytime you know after the first 30 days they anytime after that they can apply for candidacy mm-hmm. um and then they go through a one-year candidacy period um before they would be eligible to be voted on to become a co-owner. Interesting. Very interesting. And they're given a mentor, you know, they're given a co-owner mentor during that time that they can meet with really? and, and huh. talk about all kinds of co-ownership related things. What does it mean to be a co-owner? Talk about exciting topics like the company bylaws, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the details, how does the stock purchase work, right. all of those kinds of things. Right. Um, and, and just to provide general support, um, and then that, that mentor, you know, if somebody decides I want to throw my name in the hat, that mentor will then, you know, basically assuming that the person's a good fit to become a coner, which is most often the case, mm-hmm. that mentor then will advocate for them and, and speak in front of the company and say why they think that person should become a coner. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I almost missed your comment of exciting topics like corporate bylaws. <laughs> but I was, I was two beats behind, but, but good, good use of humor. Well, that was good. <laughs> and I think that's, that's one of the things that's actually really great here. You yeah. know, you, you, you have folks that are in the field and mm-hmm. um, uh, pursuing a career in the electrical trades yeah. that are also learning a lot about the financials of how an organization runs. We have, sure folks that have been in the field for five or eight years that could sit down and probably talk to you in a very educated way about profit and loss statements, Hmm. balance sheets and cash flows. Um, People that can tell you how our stock program works. Mm -hmm. Um, People that are involved with helping, you know, make big picture decisions for for this organization. Right. right. Um, And it doesn't mean that it's all roses and we don't have some of our challenges and it's, it's difficult to bridge the gap between, you know, field roles and office roles and make it feel like it's unified and cohesive. Um, But it's, it's just, it's an, it's an opportunity that I never would have had probably in many other 
types of business models. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And I think a number of other people in our company feel the same. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. I think it's within contracting companies. Yeah, there, there tends to be an inherent friction between um, fields versus office. Um, and and if yeah if, if there's that level of transparency that's there and that that educational opportunities and even mentorship yep. opportunities that you're talking about internally, within helping to then get um, any any level of employees where wherever they're they're at yep. in the organization to help give them that that um, that hand up to be able to then yeah. educate themselves in a much different way, then I would I would assume that it might erode some of those barriers that that inevitably happen to be there at times too yeah so. <laughs> and and, uh, and i want to be clear to say like yeah. the way we do it isn't necessarily you know it may not be for everybody sure, i don't sure. want anybody to have an impression that i'm saying how other contractors might be doing their work is is good or bad this is just how we've chosen to do it and this absolutely. is the way that we like to do it absolutely and and the iec has been a huge part of of uh, of, of this yeah. for us because yeah. how so all well, a number of our folks that come in, especially on the install side, go through the IEC program. Yeah, and we have some people that have won the wire off competitions. Right, um, we've had you know our CEO has taught classes for IEC. Yeah, he's been on the board of the IEC. I've been on the board of IEC. Mm-hmm. We we have um, <laughs> some of the committees that we participate through IEC RM, mm-hmm. and we have a close relationship with the folks that run that organization. And it's been very valuable because it's it's at the heart and soul of it. We're an electrical contractor, and we, right. you know, we we get a lot of value out of having our employees get that education, and right. they're on a career path. Right. And you know, we have a deep respect for the electrical trades and recognize how strong of a career that can be for people that might not want other different types of career paths and sure. might not want to go to a four-year university and that kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a really viable thing. And it really gets integrated with our interactions through the Denver Public Schools that we're doing through mentorship programs. You know, we're starting to expose, you know, younger kids to the solar industry and what can be done and all the different Hmm. avenues that can be taken in solar. And so it's just, it fits in really well with, with the the theme of who we are as an organization. That's fantastic. That's that's fantastic. And, and yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's great to hear the benefits of, of being involved within the greater merit shop world, because you guys really work to promote um, that individual piece, providing yeah, education and, and helping to then, you know, grow, um, you know, the strongest tradespeople out there, um, possible through the IEC program, and it's great to hear. That, yeah, Namaste is really involved um, within the chapter level. And tell tell me a little bit more about this this mentorship program that you're um, you're integrating in with the local public schools there. Well, we have a couple of folks. Um, Angela Burke is mm-hmm. one of the principal drivers. She's a current um, internal member of our board of the Namaste Solar Board of Directors. Okay, and she's she's a leader in our company for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been uh, running a program in count and. Um, conjunction with some of our other colleagues um, to basically teach and and work with um, students in the Denver Public Schools. It's kind Hmm. of a a little bit of a formal program that we've put together with DPS. And they've been learning to do some of the solar design work and using CAD. um, Okay. And then just just overall mentorship um, about there's opportunities in renewable energy and, and trying to help support kids and knowing that there's there's multiple paths they can take outside of school it doesn't huh. have to be necessarily one direction or other right, and, right. and it's not hopeless if you can't go to a four-year school right. there's there's other avenues you can take and so um she and arthur hicks have been 
principal drivers here of, of that program. And we've got a number <laughs> of folks from our company that have been participating in it and get assigned, you know, basically a buddy from DPS. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're working with, with these high school kids to help um, in any way that we can. That's terrific. That's terrific. And, and promote, yeah, promoting that, the message that, yeah, there are career opportunities within the field and, and that, um, and that the individual students that, that are, that are, um, destined for a career in the trades then too aren't sometimes we they, we feel dejected if you will or, or or you know that culture and and american culture and american society has told us for a number of years that that you know in order to be successful you need to have a college degree and you need to right. pursue that and and if you we have not necessarily explicitly stated that if you don't do that you're something lesser but that's the inevitable feeling that happens, and that sure. that's the culture that's within our our K through twelve system that's there. And, and you guys are working to combat that. Um, it sounds like as a company, you're taking a a, a very forward um, look and and um, yeah, integrating into the the local school system to be able to help to tell those those kids and show those kids one on one. What, uh, how they can put their natural talents and their natural inclinations to use immediately and get them excited about yeah. a, a career yeah. in the trades. Um, it's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. How, how long have you guys been doing this? It's really evolved um, over yeah. the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's been, it's, it's hard because, you know, everybody's day-to-day job is very yes. busy. Yeah. And so a lot of these folks are taking out time from their, their personal, their personal life, life to help wow. commit to these things. Wow. It's, it's part of, you know, the type of folks that we like to hope that we attract yeah. um, that are passionate because it's, it's part of, you know, being part of our community and giving back to our community in whatever ways beyond just, you know, we do make, you know, financial commitments to our community and donations and that kind of thing. But there's right. other things that we can, the other ways that we can engage um, that feels really valuable and brings us what we refer to as part of our holistic compensation. Okay. Um, so, you know, yes, we, we get our salaries and benefits and our wages, but yeah. Um, there's more to working at Namaste Solar, and that's what we refer to as our holistic compensation. Holistic compensation. Um, okay, you're going to yeah. need to unpack that one for me. Well, you know, it, it's it's liking liking coming to the place that you yes you work at. Gotcha. It's 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 enjoying the people that you are working with. It's yeah. being able to do things that aren't purely just job role focused. It's an opportunity to get to participate in business decisions. It's hmm. and then it's an opportunity for people to engage in different community based um, hmm. causes that might be passionate for them. Um, uh, you know, things that are, you can't really monetize, yeah. but are things that we're super committed to that, you know, we try to look at in terms of this holistic compensation, gotcha. Gotcha. You know, being part of an employee owned cooperative, mm-hmm. you know, giving back to the community, going right. out on our volunteer days through right. our volunteer program, you know, something that, um, Jerry Mitchell Brown, who's our, mm-hmm. our, uh, director of employee experience developed this volunteer we're calling it volunteer time on program hmm. so it's it's a number of hours that any co-owner and candidate and, and can go out and volunteer that namaste solar is going to pay for during actual business during hours. their business hours wow wow that's great that's great yeah well yeah i mean it's again it's it's then speaking to the culture that you're promoting to be able to then maintain attract and maintain and and uh, really encourage 
your employees to then focus on uh, giving yep. back in their communities and, and yep. causes that they're they're passionate about and the and the company wants to uh, continue to to give them exposure to. That's great. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. But you know, it does. It, it it you know, it sounds you know really great, and it is. But there are also real challenges. And mm-hmm. in order to be able to do all these things, we have to be profitable. And yeah. We have to be in a, a profitable electrical contractor. So yes. we face many of the same issues that our fellow electrical contractors, regardless of whether or not they're in whatever market segment they're in, yeah. face. Yep. And sometimes it's hard to find the good quality uh, electricians to come on board. Sure. Um, there's a lot of competition when, when the building industry is going strong. And yeah. so you know, that's why the IAC program is bringing us a lot of values because we can invest in people that have that potential and help get them through that program. Mm-hmm. And then we have it. If we can't find all the people that we need that mm-hmm. are ready to hit the ground running on day one. Right, right. Yeah, if, if they've got the right attitude and the right outlook and, and they're focused on you know being players and being active in their life, um, then you can help to educate them with the skills through the IEC program that Absolutely. can get the job done. Um, yep. That's that's terrific. That's terrific. Well, well. So okay. So yeah, you mentioned it's not all roses, and roses have thorns. So um, <laughs> there's a song about that. Isn't yeah, there? every every rose. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's probably a copyright issue if I started singing, and I really want to start singing because. Um, it's, is that Tesla or is that Guns and Roses? Who's that? Guns, uh, Poison. Oh, Poison, Poison. Okay, okay, very good, very good. Come on, get your '80s metal. I know, I'm a, I'm a child of of the '80s as well. Um, <laughs> '80s hair bands are kind of a, a hidden, um, actually not really hidden. I'm, I I openly. Uh, will state that I love 80s hair bands, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyway, I digress. So back to the thorn piece. Um, yeah, what are what are some big issues that that you're seeing from um, the perspective of, of Namaste Solar that that kind of keep keep you collectively up at night? Um, well, you know, uh, there's there's a number of them. You know, we're the solar industry as a whole is coming off what was a difficult 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, many, many of things, uh, external factors that were out of our control in terms mm-hmm. of tariffs on equipment, things yep. like that. Yep. So it was pretty, a pretty universal experience for many companies in, in the solar industry that 2018 was very difficult. So trying to recover from that um, has been a big challenge. You know, but some of the day-to-day inconsistent challenges we have really is finding um, folks that are interested in kind of the entry-level install positions Mm, um mm. and 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 mining um folks you know mining the pool of individuals that that fit and want are interested in the business model um and more looking for more than just the paycheck and and are Mm. looking at um, becoming an electrician as a career Mm -hmm. you know that's some of our operational challenges that we face And, and the competition you know um we have constraints and and we can't necessarily always compete dollar for dollar for some of the high wages that some other really big contractors are able to to um provide but we're also focused on we don't want to just hire and then let people go as soon Mm. as the the market slows down Mm -hmm. so we're also trying to make a commitment to these people and trying to balance Mm -hmm. that well we may not be able to pay quite as high as everybody else but we're also um, going to do everything we can to avoid any type of layoff as soon as the, the market takes a turn. And so that's, that's in a place that's quite honestly a difficult one for us to, um, try to, try to navigate. Understood. Understood. Interesting. Um, let me, let me ask you a little bit about, um, 
mentors. We talked a little bit about mentors, just you know, as it relates back to the the, um, the program uh, that you're working with the Denver Public School System, um, and then then also you talked about mentors within Namaste Solar, um, and you know, taking people under wing that that are more seasoned employees, and and then of course you know you've got you know journeymen and apprentices and things like that, but. Um, Tell me a little bit about your your mentors in life. Is there, um, yeah, like influences that that have been there um, that that you could share a little bit about characteristics? Yeah, not not individual names. No, just whatever comes to mind, and and you know, again, kind of leading back into leadership and into yeah. motivation. I'm just kind of curious, um, you know, you had different characteristics and and things like that. Well, you know, I think um, when I think about the the folks that I uh, admire and people that I've had actual interactions with on a regular basis that I, I view as um, mentors or influences mm-hmm. uh, and people that I kind of have learned from, you know, it's people that are uh, really willing and able to share what they've learned mm. in a really healthy way. Real open. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And to be able to learn by observing how they go about their business, you know, the fact that they walk their talk. Mm. Um, I love, you know, the people that I'm thinking of have all been very creative thinkers and don't necessarily let them get themselves backed into a corner with, with strictly conventional thinking, but also mm. don't disregard conventional wisdom mm. when it might be pertinent. And, right, right. you know, being able to balance those multiple perspectives was really important. Um, you know, being ethical in business decision-making is mm. something that I've always uh, um, been attracted to. And it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with the Myers-Briggs yes. um, testing. Yeah. You know, it, 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 uh, I, I did that recently, and one of the things that I basically did learned... You, did you pass, or did you... <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. Okay, I, you've got I, a personality, I was, great. <laughs> I was one of the personality types that they've identified Very good. something new Very or good. different. So. <laughs> hey, Myers, we've got something over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a new one you got to add. Nobody's going to want this one. Right, right. Um, but I, I, I learned... A, one of the things I knew about myself kind of intuitively, but uh-huh. it really brought it home was I won't be successful if I'm not working for something that's connected to um, a cause that I'm feeling passionate about or uh, a bigger picture thing. Greater like, purpose. Meaning yeah. that yeah. I would never be successful if all I was working for was just a paycheck. Yeah. And yeah. some, some people can be successful and this isn't a judgment on that, but sure. for me, and that explains why I've, been at namaste solar since 2007 um so there's something about that like the passion that i've gotten from mentors and and feeling like that's okay and Mm -hmm. that's a good thing to have as part of your career trajectory Hmm. um and then people with humility i think Hmm. you know the the folks that i look to are driven and motivated um but very humble and don't need to prove anything to anybody yeah Um, those are some of the characteristics that I think um, I've benefited from in the folks that I consider my mentors. That's terrific. That's terrific. Yeah. yeah the, the humility piece is, is difficult, I think, um, as human beings to, to maintain um, in a lot of ways. You know, that, that yeah. we're, we're challenged on that, um, especially as, as yeah, you ascend in your career and you ascend in all the, all the different uh, competing interests that are, that are there and, and – um, yeah, but maintaining that piece—that's that's, that's great. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. When when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were five years old, you know, do you want to be a fireman? What did you want to be? You remember? Well, when I was when I was 
I don't know exactly what age, but it was probably a little before I was 10, maybe somewhere mm-hmm. in the 8 to 10 neighborhood. For some reason, I had it in my head I wanted to be an architect. An architect, just, wow. Yeah. I don't even know if I fully understood what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I could say the word, so that was helpful. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I think it was maybe when I was 12 or mm-hmm. 13, my brother-in-law showed me the Led Zeppelin movie, The Song Remains the Same, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's what trouble, I wanted to do. Trouble, trouble. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be a rock and roll guitar player. You wanted you wanted to be Jimmy Page, or well, he you... was my first influence. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, you know, I, I that would have been all right, I suppose. Jimmy Page, yeah, kind of dark, mysterious. You know, didn't and stand a, in front of the microphone, but an excellent, excellent guitarist. Excellent, and just that music astonished me, and I was just captivated, and that opened up a whole other worlds of music, which, as you know about me, and we've talked about many times, is music, and, uh, you know, fast forward to the day, to, you know, being 46 years old, I'm happy to say that that I still play guitar, and I still have folks I play in a band with, uh, but I don't have to do it for a career yeah. and i get a ton of enjoyment out of it that's fantastic that's great do you, you play any zeppelin tunes uh oh in, in yeah, they, they, okay. yeah they come up every once in a while mm-hmm. for sure very good yeah. very good <laughs> favorite zeppelin album uh oh you know it kind of changes over time yeah um you know i i've been liking presence a lot lately really yeah 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 yeah, yeah there's some good tunes on there love it yep love it well, good. Well, um, Dave, this, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking time um, to share some of your stories, to share some about Namaste yeah. Solar. Um, what, what do you think, uh, what, what, what's the next couple of years um, for Namaste look like? Or, or how far, how far in, in the head do you see in the crystal ball where it seems pretty clear? Well, you know, the, the crystal ball, you know, you know I, I still haven't mastered the art of the crystal ball just yet. But mm-hmm. uh, I think... We're on a very positive trajectory. Um, you know, our, our our mantra right now is better, not bigger. Yeah. And we're trying to do run this business the best that we can at the scale that we currently are before we think about expanding yeah. too more, gotcha. too much more. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's kind of where our focus is. We have we are so fortunate in the number of amazing individuals that are in this company. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of great minds, and we're trying to all in a similar direction and 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 the better that we do as namaste solar the better the impact we can have in getting more renewable energy in the world and and helping benefit our community more just by the the good works that we like to do that's great that's great um and if if you had the opportunity to to talk to a younger version of yourself say an 18 year old (laughs) version of yourself and and you had a couple of sentences to impart some some something some sort of knowledge or maybe just give yourself a high five um what do, what do you think you would do if you the knowledge that you have now what would you go back and say to, to that younger version of yourself you know i think i've thought about this you know and i don't have anything um you know incredibly brilliant or enlightening mm-hmm. other than i would tell myself that you know when i went through college i i wasn't all that invested in getting through school mm-hmm and I think that there are a lot of things that were not necessarily purely academically related, but things I could have gotten involved with that if I known now, mm. what if I knew then what I know now, right, you know, right. things around like 
what it means to be a B Corp and business as a force for good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things I would have gotten engaged with uh, much earlier. And um, I would, I would say seek out more opportunity and, Mm -hmm. and, and try to be more open to things and take better advantage of the things that are around you, especially if you happen to be, yeah, yeah, whether it's in school or an opportunity to go um, volunteer for something or, you know, whatever it is, or a job that you might think you don't even necessarily like, you know, yeah. trying to say yes to more things, I think would be my recommendation. Saying yes so. to more things. That's terrific. That's terrific. Opens you up to new opportunities, keeps you driven, keeps you you know, opening up the yes. doors, keeps you creative, keeps yes. you creative. Reasonable and responsive, responsible yeah. things to say yes to. Yes. Reasonable. <laughs> Good qualifier, especially if you were talking to an 18-year-old version of yourself. Um, that exactly. At that you time, told me to say yes. Yeah. We, we were all, yeah. We all thought we were invinci- invincible back then, but no, yes. it's, it's yeah. true. That we're, you know, we're not made of rubber nor steel. Um, we're, we're uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Dave, thank you again for um, taking time to, to share um, your story. Um, and and uh, the connection back to IEC is, is uh, great uh, and, and really yeah. inspiring um, to learn more about the uh, business model of Namaste Solar. So thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cool. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. This has been a, another installment of the second season of the IEC podcast series, The Electrical Current. You can check us out over at ieci.org. And if you're interested in career opportunities within the electrical and systems industry, jump over to myelectriccareer.com. That's myelectriccareer.com to learn more and start on your path to achieve your dreams.